Well, today we are continuing in our series called You Asked For It. And today we are going to wrestle with one of my favorite questions out of this entire series. And it is the question, what impact does culture have on us? And we, we didn't actually get this particular question exactly this way. But what we did is we had a series of questions that we were looking at. Things like, can a Christian watch R-rated movies? Is it okay for a Christian to watch R-rated movies? Or how do we reconcile consumer culture with Jesus' way of life? That was another question we looked at. One is, uh, is social media healthy, the impact that it has on us? Another was, what impact does like gaming have on us, like video games? And it all boils down to this question of culture. What impact does culture have on us? I remember back in 2007, uh, I went with a friend of mine to Brazil. And it, it was a very interesting sociological uh, experience because the two of us had been part of a mission team the year before. And if you've ever gone on a foreign mission trip, a lot of times your teams are really, they have really structured times. They don't take you really anywhere dangerous. You, you kind of get a, a little bit of a chamber of commerce, tourist view of certain places of the culture. But when we went back, we weren't at, there as part of a mission team, but we were doing missions work. We just had made some relationships when we were down there the year before, and they said, hey, you ought to come back. And I said, well, we're not going to have a team together. They said, come back anyways. You can stay with us. And so we stayed with two different families that we had met while we were down there, one in Sao Paulo and another in Alimpareba, which is uh, really cool to say. So I encourage you to do that sometime. But it is um, in Minas Gerais, which I'm not saying correctly, state, um, and it is a couple of hours outside of Rio de Janeiro. And so we went, and we were excited about this because we were going to get to see a little bit more of Brazilian culture. We were actually going to stay in Brazilian homes. We were going to bounce around a little bit and try to figure out some of the culture and do some ministry stuff along the way. The very first night we got there, and if you've ever flown to Brazil, most commercial flights, they fly through the night. And so we left late at night here. We got there first thing in the morning, and I do not sleep on airplanes. So we get there, and I am tired. I'm exhausted. And we go, and we meet up with our friend Lucas, and we're hanging out with him. And he, he's been amped up for an entire year for us to get back to Brazil. So he's got tons of things planned for us to do. And at the end of the day, uh, we're getting ready to go to bed. We, this is on a Saturday. We've got to be at church at 8 o'clock an hour across town the next morning, and he says, I want you to experience Brazilian nightlife. And we said, okay. Uh, I mean, we haven't slept, and we're, we're thinking this might be interesting. I was like, okay, what time are you thinking we'll go out? He said, well, um, the, the headliner at this club I want to take you to doesn't come on until about 3 a.m. And I said, I don't think we're going to make it that long. And he said, well, let's just go and let's see how the night goes. So we get to the club. I'm not making this up. I am on a mission trip, kind of, sort of, with my Brazilian friend Lucas, and we are at a Brazilian club, a nightclub. Uh, had to show our IDs and everything, and they're like, is this thing real? And we're like, well, that's the best we got. And so we, we go to a Brazilian club with Lucas. We're hanging out, and we got there at about 11 p.m., and the night's going on, and we're just looking around, and we're thinking, this is really, really weird. 
this is really, really weird. And the reason we kept saying this is really, really weird is because all of the music was stuff that was on American radio. The bands that were playing were playing American pop songs. And not even like the songs that we like, the songs we used to like, um, like several years before this. And we're just sitting there going, this is really strange. And then there, there, there are people drinking, there are people dancing. I mean, it, it is a cultural phenomenon. And uh, eventually we said, you know, we're never going to make it through church the next day if we stay any longer. And so we had to, to leave. And apparently there was going to be a band that played around 4 a.m. that was going to play some traditional Brazilian music, but we missed out on that. But what we observed was crazy. It was like the Brazilians had put American culture on this pedestal. And I, we're riding back to this house, and I'm like, Lucas, that, that was odd. I mean, the music was American. Uh, some of the signs were American. And he said, oh, yeah, this is an affluent part of Brazil, of Sao Paulo. And they look at the American culture, and they think that that is the ideal. Uh, and I, I just kind of grieved as we were riding back to this house in between dozing off and going to sleep in the car thinking, I am so sorry that this is the impression we have on the rest of the world. But the reality is, is that culture has such an impact on us. And people look at what they see of American culture, and they think that that is, that is just who we are, that's part of our identity, and in a lot of ways it is. But there, there are things like the way that the online media portrays things, and we, we look at those things online, and we see something that starts to shape us. Social media has taken off in the past 10 years, and it is shaping us in major dramatic ways. If you don't believe me, hang out in the youth room for five minutes uh, and try to see what impact social media has on culture today. Consumerism is just as rampant uh, in every generation in our entire country. News media portrays certain things. The pornography industry, the adult film industry is huge. Movies, rated R or otherwise, television shows, video games, all of these things are part of our culture and all of them have different impacts on us and shape us in different ways. Now, some of these things we can look straight to a Bible verse and say, you know what, I don't think that this is in God's will. Um, something that, you know, should we look at explicit images, we can look at the scriptures on not looking lustfully, and we can say, you know what, that's not in God's will. But then there are other things that are part of culture that we look at, and we don't really have a scripture that we can turn to that says, should you listen to Fox News or MSNBC? We don't have a scripture that we can turn to that says, should we or should we not go to a rated R movie? And so what we have to do is we have to seek God's word. We have to turn to God's word and say, what is it saying? What can we see in the scriptures that, that shows what God's will is, and how can we make the best decisions um, for ourselves based on what we find? And the question we have to ask is, how are the things that are part of culture shaping us? How are the things that we experience in our everyday life shaping us? As we look at uh, the, the next big thing, as we look at the latest movie that came out, as we find ourselves looking at so many different things that American culture has to offer, what impact do they have on us? How is it shaping us? Now, the Gospel of Matthew explains it 
uh, in a really interesting way. In the 15th chapter, Jesus is uh, talking, and they have this issue about washing hands, and the Pharisees are looking at Jesus, and they're saying, why do your disciples not wash hands? And before they, it was this ritual that they would do. It wasn't necessarily about cleanliness. It was this ritual that they would do before eating. And the Pharisees thought, this is the way that you've got to do it. And Jesus' disciples weren't doing it. And so Jesus is addressing the crowd. And this is where we're going to pick up in the story. Jesus called the crowd near and said to them, listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that contaminates a person in God's sight. It's what comes in out of the mouth that contaminates the person. And then for a few verses, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, the Pharisees didn't really like what you just said there. And this is kind of a theme that's been running throughout the gospel. And Jesus says, well, it's, you know, they're, they're kind of blind. They're building up this legalistic case, uh, but it's not necessarily about legalism. It is about doing what really honors God. And then he continues in verse 17 with this idea of what goes into and what comes out of us. And he says, don't you know that everything that goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? I'm not going to spell that one out for you. But what goes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And that's what contaminates a person in God's sight. I'm going to read that one again. But what goes out of the mouth comes from the heart. And that's what contaminates a person in God's sight. Verse 19 says, Out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, sexual sins, thefts, false testimonies, and insults. These contaminate a person in God's sight, but eating without washing hands doesn't contaminate in God's sight. It's almost as though he is saying, it's not just about what goes in, it's about what comes out. What is the fruit? What are you showing? What are people seeing when they look at you? Are they hearing an overflow of your heart that honors God, or are they hearing an overflow of your heart that doesn't honor God? What is the overflow of our heart? I kind of imagine it this way, as though we had a, a, a bucket, and we, we put water into the bucket, and we might put uh, some stones in there. And the water is good stuff, the, the stones are bad stuff, and the more stones we put in there, um, it's, they're going to start to overflow. And if we start to see more bad stuff overflowing than good stuff, um, that is when we become concerned. When we look at it and we say, the stuff that's not supposed to be in there is the stuff that's coming out. And it's easy to justify ourselves and say, you know what, I don't really match up with that script. I don't have these evil thoughts. I don't have, uh, I'm not murdering anyone. I'm not committing adultery. I'm not committing sexual sins or false testimony or insults. And we look at those things and we say, it, it can become easy to justify ourselves and say, you know what? The things that are coming in should, aren't really having that big of an impact on me because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making that list happen. But the, the question becomes, what is starting to shape us? How are the things that are coming in shaping us? Now, the Apostle Paul gives us a different take on this. And I believe that it's actually a really good and healthy way to reflect on the ways in which culture shapes us. In Romans 12, he says this. So, brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. 
So that, that's the goal of this, being holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriately priestly service. And this is the key verse. We're just going to leave this up for a while. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. And there, there are several words that are underlined in this. We have the word conformed. And this is where culture becomes an issue for us, is when we find ourselves conforming to the patterns of the world, when we find ourselves conforming in order to fit in, in order to, to match up with the ideal, just like the Brazilian culture, and they said, oh, the American culture, the, the worldly, consumeristic American culture, that is the ideal. Uh, when we start to gravitate towards those things and conform to those things, that's when we have to be concerned. And we know what conformity looks like. We see it all the time when, when somebody down the street gets a new car, all of a sudden we're thinking, oh, we've got to get a new car as well. When your friend gets a new phone, oh, I've been needing to get a new phone too. My, my old one's just fine, but the new technology, it is awesome. Or we find ourselves looking at different media outlets and we see what they're communicating and we, we start to shape our thinking according to what they are saying. We see this in the way that people dress and the way that people live their lives and the way that they decorate the, their homes, the way that they present themselves to the community. One thing that uh, I did today, I, I made a conscious choice when I was getting dressed this morning. Um, you know, when Tim preaches in here, I pick on him all the time that he's trying too hard with his outfits because he'll, he'll like change out of his suit into this, you know, untucked shirt with his blue jeans and, and everything. And so... Um, I walked in this morning, and John Horton looks at me, and he goes, you look a little dressed down today. I said, well, you know, Tim's kind of running away with being this hip pastor, and I kind of want to catch up. I want to conform. And so, uh, you know, sometimes we do stuff like that all the time. That's not really the reason I wore this, but uh, it, it was something I thought of this morning when, when I saw Tim in his suit because he's in the traditional service and me in my casual because I'm in the contemporary service. We have this mindset of we've got to conform, we've got to blend in, we've got to be a part of the culture. And we do it because we're trying to keep up. We do it because we want to, to blend in. And what ends up happening is it starts to shape us. And it starts to impact the way that we think. And it's when we follow the patterns of this world that this happens. And the reality is that we may not realize that it's happening. I remember when I was growing up, we would always go to uh, Cumberland Island, uh, and I would go out on the beach, and if I was there by myself, I would go out swimming, and there was this one spot that we would go on the beach, and it was, I don't know, probably four or 500 yards from this big cabana. And I remember as a kid, I would go out into the water, and I would be out in the water, and I would just be swimming. I would be having a great time. I'm jumping into the waves. I'm trying to avoid jellyfish. And I am just having the time of my life out there. And I remember one day I was out there, and I was just swimming in the water. I was just engaged. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and I, we had started here. I had started here. All the chairs were right there on the beach. All my family was right there on the beach. And I looked up. And I am way down here, 
and that cabana is right beside me. And I had no idea that it had happened. But that is exactly what happens with the way that we become conformed to the pattern of this world. We don't even realize that we are drifting because of the undertow of culture. But culture starts to impact us. It starts to infiltrate our lives to a point that we just start making that shift and we don't even realize it. And so Paul says this, instead of that, instead of that, be transformed. Instead of just conforming and going along with the current, be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have a new way of thinking. Understand what God's will is. And here's the the reality that we, we come to realize is that Transformation is not possible without God working in our lives. When we look and we see what impact culture has on us, it causes us to look and see that we are in the middle of this back-and-forth battle. The more that we allow culture to shape us, the more that we allow the things that we watch, the things that we see, the things that we participate in to shape us, the more we find ourselves just drifting off with the current. But when we start to become transformed, when we start to become renewed with our mind, we start to have a different outlook on life. And so many of us are looking around, and, and the culture shapes the way we think. And we, we, whether it's a, a movie that portrays a certain lifestyle, whether it is just looking around at uh, our neighbors and admiring the things that they have, and our consumerism kicks in, whether it's just sitting around with our, our phone and we're, we're in a, you know, kind of so-so place and we just find ourselves scrolling through, looking at Instagram, looking at Facebook, and we keep looking at other people's lives, their vacations, uh, their new toys, their new car, their new house, whatever it might be. We start thinking along the way, oh gosh, if I could just get that, then everything would be better. If I could just get all these things, my life would be happy. And when we watch movies that portray a certain lifestyle, we think, gosh, that looks so much fun. And here's the reality. This is what I've come to, to realize, and I believe that this is what the Scripture is trying to tell us, is that we think that we will be satisfied when our lives look like the lives of others. We think that we will be satisfied when our lives start to look like the lives of others that we admire. But the reality is that we will only be satisfied when our lives look completely different than that. We think that we will be satisfied when we conform to that pattern of the world. But the reality is is that we will only be satisfied when we have been completely and entirely transformed by the renewing of our mind. When our lives are lined up with what God wills for us and not just going along with the pattern and the current and the tide of culture. True satisfaction will only be found when we find ourselves transformed through the power of the resurrected Christ in our lives. And there's a beautiful way that I have discovered um, over the years. Uh, This isn't something that I've carried with me for a lot of years, but in the past couple of years, I've come across this, and it it has had a tremendous impact on the way that I process the way that culture is shaping me. And there's a guy, and his name was Ignatius, Ignatius of Loyola, uh, good 
good Jesuit guy, and he had these spiritual practices, spiritual exercises that he encouraged. And there are, we've got these five things we're going to put up on the screen. And these are my words. This is so I can remember it when I do it. But he had this prayer practice that he encouraged called the prayer of examine. And the prayer of examine essentially goes this way. Reveal yourself to me, God. Ask God to reveal, to provide light, the Holy Spirit to give you guidance. The second thing he says to pray for is to rejoice. Give thanks for what God has done. Give thanks for the good things that are going on in your life. And then he says to review. And so you might review what has happened that day. And then as you review, you're going to start to think of some things that went right and some things that went wrong. And when you start to realize the things that went wrong, he says the next step is to repent. And so you, you find yourself repenting of those things. And the last part is to resolve. To resolve that I am going to change from this pattern of life. And so many of us, we just get caught up in that conformity, we get caught up in that pattern, and we just sail off to sea, and we don't realize that the point we were supposed to be is several hundred yards away. But when we allow God to transform our minds, when we allow God to take control of our thinking, patterns like this can be helpful. And so what I do is, um, some nights I forget, but usually what I try to do is when I lay down to go to bed, I lay down, and I fall asleep doing this um, a lot of nights. I, I ask God to reveal, okay, what, what is impacting my thinking? What is shaping me? And then I rejoice for the things that are going well, the things that went well that day, and then I turn and I review the things where I fell short. And I start to realize, you know, I'm starting to think um, with a very consumeristic mentality. Or I'm becoming apathetic to what's going on in the world because I'm just numb to it because I, I've just received this overflow of information of everything that's going on around the world. And I need to kind of disconnect from that. And then I find myself repenting and I say, Lord, I am sorry for where I have had let my thought pattern roam free here. And then I resolve and I say, Lord, I want to live differently. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I want to live in such a way that honors you and brings glory to you. And it's through that pattern that we start to see change in our lives. And I remember at different points of my life, I have had to make decisions related to culture. And some of you this morning might be in a place where you've got to make a decision uh, with something that's impacting you with culture. It might be that you have become so consumed by social media that you can't put your phone down, you can't concentrate, you can't participate in a regular conversation, and you find yourself constantly playing the comparison game if you, as you look through and see what's going well in other people's lives. And you might have to take a break from it. I remember when I was in high school, uh, I became a Christian, and for me, uh, I have always been extremely into music. My, my first major injury in my life was I had a plastic microphone stand that I uh, was being a diva with, and it went up in my mouth, and I fell on it and cut the roof of my mouth. It was awful. Uh, my most vivid, painful, earliest experience in life was that microphone stand. 
Um, I was destined to be a diva from there on out. But music has always been something that's excited me. And so when I was not a Christian, when I was straying from, away from the Lord, I'd been raised in the church, and I was just going a completely different direction. Music became this stronghold in my life. And so when I became a Christian, I actually took a lot of the music that was poisoning the way that I thought, and I, I actually literally smashed the CDs. And the reason was is that sometimes when you have something that is such a negative influence on you, the only thing that you can do is just smash it. You have to crush it. You have to get it completely out of your life. Now, as I've grown in my faith, I'm in a place now where I can listen to some secular music. I can listen to some Christian music. I can recognize when the music is not having a good impact on me. I don't listen to things that are overly suggestive. I don't listen to things that are explicit. But I'm okay to listen to things that aren't just going Jesus, 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 Jesus the whole time. But I recognize that when it's becoming an issue, I've got to cut it out completely out of my life. I remember a couple of years ago, I was, um, I've talked about this experience in uh, my wife Emma and I's life a lot. Uh, we were at the end of four years of living back and forth between Macon and Atlanta. And, and we talked about this a couple of months ago. The toughest two months of that entire time was the two months that she was up in a northeast Georgia hospital doing a clinical rotation. I was working here in Macon, and our home was in Decatur. And so Decatur was kind of in between us, but it wasn't close enough in between that we could both be there every night. And so we were only together like three, maybe four nights a week. And I remember in the midst of that, it was just really hard to, to be apart that much. And as we were going through that experience, um, it was the, the same winter that Snowpocalypse happened, if y'all remember that. And so uh, there were actually a couple of days where we would have been together where we weren't together because it just wasn't possible because of the roadways. And I remember there was a song that was on the radio um, that I thought it was a great song. It had a catchy instrumentation to it, really good hook to it. The harmonies were beautiful. And it was by the band Perry, and the, the song was called Don't Let Me Be Lonely. And I found myself, every time that song came on the radio, I would crank it up. And I liked it so much that I went and I downloaded it to my iTunes account, and I put it on my phone, and sometimes I would listen to it. And then one day, I'm riding down the road, and it just all of a sudden hit me. You know what? Me and my wife aren't able to be together all the time. I don't really agree with what this song is betraying. And listening to a song over and over and over again that says, don't let me be lonely, is not feeding my soul in a positive way. This is not transforming my mind by the renewal that comes from the mind of Christ. And so I took it off my phone. It's $1.29 from iTunes. I'll never get back. But it was an important lesson that there, there are times in our lives where we have to realize that the impact that culture is having on us, the impact that the media that we absorb, whatever medium it might be, uh, is not leading us in a helpful, holy way that attests to the pleasing mind of God. And so this morning, we all have different things that shape us. And you might have something that is become a bit of an idol in your life. Maybe it's um, a, a game that you can't put down, that you, you just find that you're, you're just really intense when you play it, and when you get done with it, you, you just find your own edge afterwards, and it's starting to shape your thinking. 
It might be a, a TV show that doesn't portray a lifestyle that is honoring to God, and, you know, it might be okay to watch it once or twice every now and then, but to binge watch it on Netflix is becoming a problem, and it's starting to shape the way that you think. Or there might be music that you listen to, and it's not portraying a lifestyle that's honoring to God, and you have to say, you know what, I've just got to cut that out. Never mind how much money I spend on it on iTunes, it's got to come out of my life. And the question that it ultimately comes down to is, what is the Lord of our life? Are we going to allow this shift, this pattern of culture to continue to drift us out to sea and to continue to shape our thinking as we are conformed to the patterns of the world? Or are we going to make a decision that my life belongs to God? The Lord is Lord of my life. Christ is risen. Christ is reigning in my life. And I will only be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I may attest to the pleasing nature and will of God. And so this morning, I want to invite you as our band comes and they lead us in our final song to use this opportunity to honestly reflect, to, to ask God, just like Ignatius in the examined prayer, to reveal the Holy Spirit to you so that you can honestly review and repent and resolve to make a change in your life that's honoring to God. And it might be something that you need to cut out. It might be an idol that you need to smash. Or it might be a, a time of absolute surrender where you need to come before the Lord and say, I have been living according to the pattern of this world, and I find that as I try to be satisfied with it, as I try looking at all these lives, uh, I am never going to be satisfied trying to make my lives look like theirs. The only way that I will ever experience true satisfaction is that if I have a life that's different than the pattern of this world, that reflects the pattern of the mind of Christ, good, holy, and pleasing will of God. And it might be that you have to come and you have to say, I don't even know where to begin but I just know that the next step is I need to surrender to Christ and offer my life to him. And so if that's you this morning, I want you to invite you to come to pray. You can do this in your seat. You can come. It's a powerful way to come to the altar and to kneel before God and to humble yourself and to say, this is something that's got to change. But I just want to invite you this morning. What is it that's shaping you? What is it that, that God is saying, this is drifting you out to sea, and I want something better than, for you? Come and surrender that this morning. Come and just dedicate your heart and your life completely surrendered to God. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be transformed. We don't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world because we've, we've tried that and we found that it does not satisfy. So help us to be transformed through the renewing of our mind so that we may attest to your good and holy and pleasing will for our lives. Lord, I pray along with the person in here who may not know you, Lord, that you have offered yourself to us through your son, Jesus Christ, who came, who laid his life down for our sake, 
for our sins, for our wrong thought processes that have led us astray. He offered his life for us so that we may have forgiveness for those sins. And he rose from the dead so that we may have eternal life along with him, a resurrected new creation life. And so, Lord, I ask this morning with those that may not know you, Lord, we come and we say we want to know you. We want to accept that for ourselves. And we want to make you the Lord of our lives. Confessing with our mouth and believing with our heart, Jesus Christ is Lord of all, even Lord of us. So Lord, as we declare in this last song that we love you, that we love Jesus, may our lives truly reflect that. May we truly show love and honor to you in the way that we live with transformed minds. For it's in Jesus' holy name that we pray, amen.